Welcome to His Story, a teaching series with Pastor Mickey Bryce from Center Stage Church. This nine-part series explores the story of God from a theater perspective. Now, here's Mickey Bryce. Well, today we're going to talk about the end of history. And if you are uh, following the series on our podcast, I invite you to hold your Bible as well and look up the verses. I will give them to you as we go through them. Today is the final chapter, not necessarily in the Bible because we're going to move around a little bit, but it's the end game. It's the final chapter in what we have called history or his story. There's a doctor that goes to a party one night and sees one of his patients out on the dance floor with a beautiful woman. The doctor goes up to his patient and asks, what are you doing? The patient said, I'm just following your advice. What advice, the doctor says. You told me to find a hot mama and be cheerful. (laughs) The doctor responded, a hot mama and be cheerful? What are you talking about? He said, that's not what I said. What I said to you was that you had a heart murmur and you needed to be careful. So you should be careful at the parties that you go to. Today, I want to invite you, the real you, to a cast party. Now, if you've ever been in any sort of theatrical production, you know that at the end of the, of the show, uh, normally there is a cast party. And a cast party is fun. Uh, We have them every Zayo show, almost every Zayo show. Uh, They're usually at somebody's house with a pool. Lots of people are there, as many people as can come. Even Sharon comes. People you have grown to love through the process of whatever project you've been working on together. And some shows are more problematic and more uh, stuff that, you know, you've had to live through. At this party, the cast party, you find yourself, and sometimes a few weeks go by before you have your cast party. So it's a little bit of a reunion of sorts and people that maybe you've lost touch with. Because remember, most of the people that are in a Zayo show, they don't go to our church. They don't see each other every Sunday like we do. They see each other at rehearsal. And many times they meet each other for the first time at the first rehearsal because they didn't know each other before. They spend night after night together. And then all of a sudden you don't see the people anymore. And it's kind of like a sad withdrawal because many times you've made close friends and at the cast party you get to see them again. So it's like hoo-ha, we, lots of fun. What draws you together has been your common interest, not just in that show, but in theater in general or some sort of musical or dramatic or dance type of presentation. You have been drawn together, in this case, by the story, by history. And you have made that story come alive in front of an audience. You might have been on stage, maybe backstage, maybe at the booth, but the party brings you all together to celebrate. So speaking of parties, five-year-old son Brian noticed his mother has gone out. In answer to his question, I said, mommy's at a Tupperware party, son. This explanation satisfied him only but for a moment. He said, what's a Tupperware party, dad? 
Some of you may not even know what one is. I've always given my son honest answers, so I figured a simple explanation would be the best approach. Well, Brian, I said at a Tupperware party, a bunch of ladies sit around and sell plastic bowls to each other. (laughs) Brian nodded, indicating that he understood this curious pastime, and he burst into laughter. (laughs) Come on, Dad, what is it really? (laughs) At a cast party, there are lots of things to do. I remember one where the uh, host for the cast party printed up these life-size pictures of scenes from the show. So it was quite interesting to uh, get to look at all of that. Lots of fun things to do. Normally people laugh. They remember stories of things that have happened that went wrong. Ha, ha, ha. And all of that, like any other endeavor where you spend time with people, is rich because... People are around people because people are fun to be with most of the time. A millionaire decides to throw a massive party for his 50th birthday. During the party, he grabs the mic and announces to his guests that down in the garden of his mansion, he has a swimming pool with two great white sharks in it. The man who swims across that pool get a million dollars, he says. Wow. No one enters the pool and suddenly there's a great splash and a man swimming as hard as he can. The fins come out of the water and the jaws are snapping and this guy just keeps on going. I bet. The sharks are gaining on him, but somehow the guy reaches the end and gets out of the pool wet and soaked. The millionaire says, I'm a man of my word, so would you like the money in cash, check, or bonds? You're the bravest man I've ever seen. So, sir, what will it be? The guy says, I just have one question. Who pushed me? (laughs) Somebody wants to push me in that pool, that'd be fine. I'd like to have a million dollars. At a cast party, you get away from the troubles of your life. You will forget for a moment the stress and heartache that you've experienced back in the show. You want the party to last forever. You're having so much fun. So now we jump to history, to the real story, the real cast party. And this is a cast party that is thrown by God. Hallelujah. Thrown by God. Can you imagine that God knows how to decorate? Look around. Look right out there. Every time I drive out here, it takes my breath away. It's so beautiful. This is beautiful. God knows how to throw a party. Everyone who ever lived who has a relationship with God will be there. Think about that. I think we'll get to meet people who have gone before that have known Christ. People throughout the ages. You'll get to meet Jesus himself. You'll get to meet Peter. You'll get to meet my dad. You'll get to meet Abraham Lincoln, I believe. And George Washington and others. You'll get to meet Billy Graham. You'll get to meet people that you've never heard of that served faithfully at this cast party. If you know Jesus this moment, your attendance there is guaranteed. Think about that. And it's going to last forever. So this cast party has no end. I want to give you one big idea to take out of this uh, talk today. Knowing the final chapter of history in the future can give us help and hope for the chapter we're in today. 
I don't know about you, but the fact that I've read the end of the book makes the middle of the book possible. When things happen that take your breath away from grief, you look around the world and you see horrible things. Things happen uh, that you're completely out of control. You can't change them. You wish you could. You see people that get hurt. You get hurt. Maybe you inadvertently hurt somebody. There's a lot of bad going around, okay? There's enough of it to share around in addition to the abject evil that we see in the world. Knowing the final chapter, which is the cast party, helps me through the show today because there is hope for the future for that day. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. And that hope, as the hymn, Great as Thy Faithfulness says, help for today and great hope for tomorrow. That hope gives you help in the life that we live today because we know how the story ends up. We know. So the final chapter of God's story is thrilling. We're going to learn about it in numerous passages in the Old and New Testament. It is the culmination of time. It is called by various names, the day of the Lord, the new Jerusalem, the new heavens and the new earth. There are some differences in those terminologies about specific times of things, but I want to discuss the aspects of this cast party that are relatively universally held among believers of all denominations. Number one, you can look forward to this, my body is resurrected. And I don't believe that that's inhibited by cremation, as some might say, so I don't think that's the case. Because a body that's buried turns to dust just like the rest. There can be no doubt that the Bible teaches that just like Christ was physically resurrected, we will be as well. It's not a, it's not a, a, a story or a meaning. It's a physical resurrection that occurs at some point at the cast party. Remember that in his own resurrection appearances, Jesus ate and drank. He wasn't an apparition. He wasn't a ghost. He wasn't a, a thought. His body was resurrected. Thomas showed him the marks on his hands. Remember, he was not just a spirit or ghost. His body was raised, and so will yours be if you know Christ today. In fact, you get a new body for the party, the cast party. So it's like... My wife and I laugh about this because like we're on eternal diets all the time, trying to be healthy, trying to, I mean, it's like you either eat cookies or you're losing weight, one of the two. And it's a constant battle. And both of us laugh. We understand that value has nothing to do with physical appearance, but we laugh about the fact that we can't wait till that day. And we're glad for the bodies that God has given us in the meantime. And we're just making a little bit of a joke, but it's a pretty easy joke to make because everybody feels that way. Our world tells us that our bodies are not what they should be. And so ha ha ha. Plus we have this thing called getting older. It hasn't affected me, but it has affected Randy. And so the only difference is, and now I wear a gray wig. So anyway, Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians 15. 
Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must close itself with imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. And that's what that getting that new body, that's how that occurs. No matter how old we were, we're one day older tomorrow. You think today sucks? Wait till tomorrow, you'll be a day older, okay? Sooner or later, our bodies just wear out. So don't be surprised by that. You don't have to like it, but don't be surprised by it. But God's gonna give you a new body. I don't know what it looks like. It's called a glorified body. I, for one, am looking forward to that. Our new body is neither spirit nor like Jesus is one. It is real, and that body will never perish. You can look forward to that today because it's going to happen. It will not give up. That body will never give out. It's going to last for the whole party, and you probably can wear a bathing suit. I like dread parties with pools. Somebody says, hey, you want to go swimming? Nope. Y'all go swimming. I'm tired. You know, I'm the producer. I'm tired. Listen to what it says in Romans 8 about this same subject. Romans 8, 19. The creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of those who subjected it, of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning like the pangs of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who are, have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait for our adoption, the redemption of our bodies. So that's a pretty good signal that this is true. Second thing that you have to look forward to, the new heavens and the new earth. I don't know how a new heaven and earth could be any more beautiful than the one we enjoy. Even with its pollution, it's still beautiful. In John's Revelation, the last book of the Bible, he describes the setting for the party, and it's the new heavens and new earth. He says, then I, John, saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea, so no ocean. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, presented as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. So that's us. We are presented with an entire heaven and earth as a present for eternity at this cast party. That's pretty good. Usually after every show, somebody will give me something, say thank you, and I appreciate that. It's, you want to... See what some of them are going to my office. It's like every inch of everywhere. There's remembrances. But this new heavens and new earth are a gift to us for this cast party. I'm not sure exactly what the new heavens and new earth look like, but the beauty will be magnificent. This new heavens and earth was foretold by Isaiah and written about by Paul and seen here 
by John. He saw it and depicted. We also see a particular city called the New Jerusalem, created by God for us and given to us. We don't think about that enough because it's like, okay, over there, I got troubles of my own. Well, put those troubles in context because that's where you're heading. One day, this will all be over and we'll be there. Somebody say amen. amen. Yes. I know you're thinking it. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Third thing, God's reign will be unrivaled there. Every time I look around, in fact, my wife and I talk about public events and things that are going wrong. She says, you can't change any of that. You know, there's evil in the world and no matter what you try, it still happens. Yeah, you're right. And I, she says, don't become an angry old man. Too late. <laughs> I'm joking. No, actually, I'm not joking. But it's like, all of this is going to be over, folks. It's going to be over. Listen to what it says in the book of Revelation chapter 21. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And they're not talking about the Holy Spirit living in people, talking about the actual Shekinah glory presence of God. And he will dwell with them. Now he's with us now in the form of the Holy Spirit, but we're talking about Jesus himself the second member of the Godhead, the first member of the Godhead, as well as the Holy Spirit, they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Think about that. We say, well, if I could talk to God, what would I ask him? Well, why don't you just ask him? Because you can. But this is like mega that. God is there in his glory and we can see him we can talk to him. We can interact. And his reign is unrivaled. There is no Satan. There is no evil. There is no sin. I don't know exactly how that is going to feel, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say pretty good. There's not going to even be any regret. We'll talk about that here in a second. This place that God will create for us is so different from the world that we live in now. God's reign and rule, it says, are unrivaled. In, the, in other words, the power of Satan and evil are completely bound and contained. God is the only ruler. There's no carnal nature, spiritual nature that we choose from battling back and forth. All of that's been defeated by that time in actuality. Satan's been sent away, so to speak. There will be no choices between good and evil. No choosing of our own way over God's way, which is what we do now. God is completely unrivaled. I don't exactly know what that means other than what it says. I, don't, I mean, I don't know what it'll feel like or what my life will be like or what our life together exactly is life. It's going to be good. I do know that there will be no evil. There'll be no sin. There'll be no choices of heartbreak of when you do evil in God's sight and break somebody else's heart or sin against your own body or whatever it is we do that is not glorifying to God. John continues in verse 22. I did not see a temple in the city 
There's no house of God because guess what? We are the house of God. The Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are his temple. The city does not need the sun nor the moon to shine on it because the glory of God gives it light. Wow. That's more than just a physical reality. That's a spiritual reality. I have no idea what that will feel like other than it's big. It's beyond anything I can comprehend. The nations will walk, and that is the saved nations, those that are in Christ, will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates be ever shut, for there will be no night. If there's no light other than Christ, and he's permanently present, there's no night. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is sinful, shameful, or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. I don't know about you, but that makes my knees tremble thinking about. Not because I'm wondering if I'm saved. I'm not. You might. You don't need to, but sometimes we tremble about that and we think, oh my gosh, I've done some things that I'm not I'm ashamed of secret things or maybe even public things. And I hope God doesn't hold that against me. Well, brother or sister, you need a big dose of biblical theology. And I don't mean that anyway as a joke because this is where our theology informs our experience and our emotions. Our theology tells us that when we are forgiven, it is forever. And there is no such thing as partial forgiveness. God either holds your sin against you or he doesn't. And if you claim Christ today as your Savior, there is no sin that you ever have, are, or will commit that is held against you because God sees the blood of Jesus, just like in the Old Testament sacrifices. He sees that covering over your sin. And even though guilt can be used by God to make us not do what we shouldn't do, that guilt does not have to separate us because it can be dealt with very quickly by confessing your sin. He is faithful and just, and he puts you back in fellowship with him. Here's another thing that's true. I don't even know exactly other than how to say this just with words. Righteousness is at home there. I love the English language. I love the picturesque way that these things are described in the translation and the way that God has chosen to give this information of his word to us in English through various translations. Righteousness is at home there. So if there is the kingdom of God, there is the new Jerusalem, there is the new heavens and the earth, but there is also us there, which means righteousness is at home in us. Well, we didn't get there because we were so good. We didn't really get there because of our wisdom of choices other than to know Christ. We got there because Christ perfects what it is that he saves. Listen to what it says. In 2 Peter 3, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. It lives there. 
righteousness is at home there. There is no wrong. It is perfection. I can't comprehend that because I have no point of reference because our world is so screwed up. Many times, sometimes my choices are pretty screwed up. Shame to say. There are promises for the party. Listen to this. John's revelation goes on in 21 and 22 to describe what you can expect. There will be a river of water of life to drink from flowing right down the middle of the city. There will be fruit trees growing fruit to eat. Twelve choices in all. Everything you would want and problems between peoples are healed. How many times have you had a problem with somebody? Come on, who cried when old Yeller died? Yeah, right. Okay, we've all been there. And if you've been in church for very long, you know that sometimes the most embarrassing experiences of carnality are between people at church who disagree about something. And there won't be any of that. And it's not like, okay, everybody there will agree with me. It's that we'll all agree with God. Remember the Bill Gothard diagram. I'm not necessarily recommending Bill Gothard, but I remember his description of marriage, which was God is here, husband is here, wife is here. And if the wife and husband choose to move closer together, that's good, but that's not necessarily spiritual. It might just be social. But as the husband and wife grow toward God, they also grow toward each other because God is in one place. And it just makes a good point, and that is that as we grow together toward Jesus, which we will be there already, that puts us together. And that's why there's no problems. So listen to this. You've got water, river of water, fruit trees in this new city where all the believers are, along with Jesus and the presence of God, eternal and forever light. Does that sound familiar? Go back to the beginning. Sounds like the garden, doesn't it? Many of the same situations. Uh, people say when you're producing a good story, that a story has an arc to it. It has to start somewhere, it goes somewhere, and it has to end somewhere. And many times the end is a altered picture of what the beginning gave you the idea of. So it kind of comes back to home. Well, here's the picture here that heaven has some re-given to us things that were given in the original garden before the fall. Remember, God's presence was there as well. In the city of God, it is a remarkable restoration of the original Eden. There are a few notable changes, and let me mention those to you, that are mentioned in chapter 21 and 22. And write these down, folks, because these will change every discouraging thing you'll ever feel. Put them down. Remember them. I can't even express them without crying. So get ready. Number one, in this cast party, this eternity, there are no more tears. Now there's tears of joy, but what's talking about here is tears of sorrow. It says Jesus will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, no more mourning, 
no crying, no pain. For the old order of things is passed away. No more sorrow, no more sickness, no more pain. Wow. Doesn't get any better than that. Anyone who's ever buried a loved one knows what sorrow feels like. You do. We all do. Anyone who has had struggles with a debilitating illness knows the difficulty of sickness and illness, injury, whatever it might be. Anyone who's ever failed in a relationship and had it fall apart, anyone who's ever been fired from a job, anyone who's ever been made fun of, and anyone who's ever felt guilty for something you did or didn't do or thought or didn't think, anyone who's ever just lost out on something they wanted understands pain. We all understand pain. It's not necessarily only the older you are, the more pain you've experienced. And sometimes there's indescribable pain that is experienced by young people. But it's still pain. Come to this cast party. There is no pain. Think about that when you're hurting. Second thing. No more curse. What curse are we talking? We're talking about the curse of sin. We sang about it this morning. No longer will there be any curse, 22-3. No longer. No longer the curse of sin. The curse of sin is that it's not my sins that send me to hell. It's my sin. What's the difference? My sins are my acts. But my sin is my nature. I can't change my nature. I can fix up and brush up my Shakespeare and not do certain bad things. Can't be perfect, but I can never fix my sin nature. When left to my own devices, that sin nature causes men and women to inevitably sin, to do what breaks the heart of God and many times the the heart of us. There will be no more curse of sin laid on man and women. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city. And His servants will serve Him. Again, I don't know what that's like. I just want to be there. I'll do whatever. (laughs) They will see His face. And His name will be written on their foreheads. I don't know exactly how that works, but I don't care. The point is, there's a unique identity that we will all feel. And we will gladly go about the business of doing whatever he asks. No more curse. At this party, there are no hell's angels causing trouble. No more issues between people. No more reasons for someone to leave your church. Or to leave your family. Or to leave your country. Or to leave God. Third thing. This one's a little bit of a picture, but I think the picture is, is broad. No more night. There's no more night. There's no more darkness. It's a, it's a play off of the second one, but it's still unique. There will be no more night, Revelation says. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they will reign forever and ever. So... You figure out what that means to you. God himself provides the light for the party. There is only constant day. He's going to wear us out. But it won't wear us out. Because those new bodies are nuclear. 
It's like you can keep going. Only constant day. We will, here's the best, we will see Jesus as he is. What can I say about that? We pray and we ask and we thank him and we serve him for our whole lives. We get to the end of our life and someone lays us in the ground or commits our body to cremation and we look forward to being with him and then the next moment, there he is. Wow, that gives me perspective about the crap we deal with in our lives, doesn't it? Does it allow you to be a little more patient with somebody? that you don't like or that angers you? Does it allow you to be a little bit more of a servant to somebody that needs your help without being perturbed that they might need you? It should. This party has no end. So usually when you have a cast party, well, we're going to start at nine o'clock and it's going to go to whenever. Not for me, it doesn't go to whenever. I go, well, we're going to need to go because it's 9.30. But this cast party has no end. It has no end. No, no, it doesn't just end at three o'clock in the morning. It doesn't just end when everybody peters out and falls asleep or or, uh, can't stand up any longer or whatever. It has no end. And again, if there isn't enough to already blow your mind, try for just a New York minute. I don't, Dave, what is a New York minute? Does that, have, does that mean anything particular? Very short. Okay. I never heard that. I've never heard of a Texas minute. Nothing ever happened in a, in a minute in Texas. But this party has no end. We can't understand that because our mind is finite. We think of beginning and end because that's our finite world. So I play this little game with my granddaughters. Well, what about after that? What about how much do you love me? Well, I love you. No, 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 no. Well, how how about twice that? How about three times that? And no matter what they come up with, it can always be more, which is the point. I need you to love me all that there is, ever was. And that was my daughter, Laura, my oldest daughter, who finally thought she had me. How much do you love daddy? All that there is, ever was, and ever will be, was her final answer. And I said, nope. What about more than that? Got her. You can't, there's always one item more. No end to this party. It goes on forever and ever and ever and ever, and then an infinite number of forevers after that. We just can't understand that except theoretically. So, This is the final chapter of history, but it's not the end because there is no end. This cast party goes on forever. We can't get it. I won't try keeping that point, but think about it sometime. It's hard to comprehend a party with no end. So what does that mean to you today? You're a believer, or maybe you're listening to this podcast and you're considering the claims of Christ, but for believers, those that We'll head to this place. What does that mean for me today? We talked about knowing the end of the story helps me today. Here's how. Paul answered the question in the same chapter we started with today, 1 Corinthians 15. And here's how it helps you today. Number one, stand firm in your faith I'm talking about. 
Paul says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, therefore, in other words, chapter one through 14, read them. You want to know why? Okay. In light of that, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Nothing. I don't see any examples there of things. Oh, unless it's the government coming to take your money. Unless it's your employer who's been mean to you. No, unless it's people at work making fun of you for being a Christian. Unless your spouse left you. There's, there is only, and it's a command to stand firm. Why? Because we know what happens at the end. We don't stand firm because we're smart. We don't stand firm because we're anything other than saved. Because of Christ, we can stand firm and you can stand firm. I have no idea what you're dealing with today. Probably some of all the things we've mentioned. I need to stand firm in my faith and you need to. And guess what? We can. It's not a losing proposition. Second thing, give yourself to the Lord. You're in control of this one. A lot of times people say, oh, I'm afraid, so I really can't serve because I'm too old or too young or too rich or too poor. There's always a reason. If you don't want to serve God, okay, any old reason will do. Any old reason. Pick one, okay? Give yourself to the Lord. Always give yourself fully. I don't know what that means to you. I got some ideas. I've tried to do that with my life. It hasn't been a perfect process. We've tried to teach that to our kids. They're not perfect either. Nobody's perfect in it. But our task is always consider what God has for me today. Because when God is finished with me, that's when we die. But he's not finished with us yet. So that's why our church is here. Give yourself to it. It doesn't have to be within the church that you serve. I think you should in some way. But it means what God has given you to do, do it. Do it well. Practice hard. Show up on time. Work hard. All of those things that made employment work well, work well in the kingdom of God. Passion, skill, hard work. Give yourself fully. So stand firm. That's your courage to be a Christian. Stand firm in the righteousness that God has given Second thing, give yourself to the Lord. In other words, don't be lazy. And third thing, know that what you do matters. It matters to God, matters to the people around you. When the difficulties of life seek to blow your cover, stand firm, hold on to Jesus. He will keep you steady. Rely on him, talk to him, read his word every day. Don't let the enticements of the world distract your attention. Give yourself to him. Give your money away. It's better than a new car. Now, I don't have an argument with a new car. I kind of need one right now. But my point is, when you've given yourself to the Lord, your possessions follow. I don't have to harp on money. I want to harp on your heart. Because when your heart is the Lord... Everything follows in its proper place. Establish a relationship with Christ is where you start. If you're listening to this podcast and don't know what to do, establish a relationship with Christ through faith. Acknowledge that God has saved you through Jesus, and he will. Then you become a member of his family. The Holy Spirit is given as a teacher And as a confirmation, that part of the Godhead enters our life and makes its dwelling inside of our heart. 
And then we begin this lifelong process of becoming more like Christ. Invite him into your heart. If you've done that, give yourself to him. There's nothing more problematic than someone who hasn't made that step of faith thinking that they should give themselves to God. And what happens is that person runs out of gas because the day will come when suffering occurs and only those who really understood that Christ has changed our lives, it's not about my actions, it's about my faith, can make it past that suffering because we trust him in the same way we trusted him to save us. Your time, your attention, your money, your family, your job, your future. Don't be a default giver to God. In other words, once things go badly for me, then maybe I'll make a deal with God. Remember the old movie, Burt Reynolds, and running out into the ocean? Oh God, I'll give you all my life, and you know, if you'll just save me. No, 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 no. That's not the deal. He saves you first and gives you the freedom to give back to him. A committee of ministers in a certain city was discussing the possibility of having D.L. Moody to serve as the evangelist during citywide campaign. Finally, one young minister uh, who did not want to invite Moody stood up and he said, why Dwight Moody? Does he have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit? And you, if you don't know who Dwight Moody is, he was a very famous evangelist and founder of Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. Does he have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit? There was silence. Then an old godly man said, no, Dr. Moody does not have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit has a monopoly on him. So that's my question. My question to anyone that listens to this podcast, does the Holy Spirit have a monopoly in your life? Or does he have to grapple with you all of the time trying to get you to do what ought to be by this time in your spiritual life, a simple choice of obedience. Do we still have to go our own way or can we not just say yes? So I encourage you today, number one, know him. Number two, take following him seriously. I don't know exactly what that means for you. I know what the Bible teaches. Start there. Become educated in what God asks of you because it's not nothing. Every disciple save one gave their life for him and their faith. Never forget that what you do for God really matters. Matters to the kingdom of God. It may be the thing that God uses to bring another person to Christ. I've had the privilege over the years of that happening to me on a few occasions, more than a few. I hope you have too. If not, you're not talking to enough people about Christ. Talk to him. It's just, you're the expert on what happened to you. Tell your story. Tell your story. God will use you when you make yourself available and usable. And uh, maybe uh, all of us who have been here live, you are free to go back and listen to all nine of these messages in order. Someday when, I don't know when you listen to things on podcasts and that sort of thing, but I'm told by the experts that many times people listen like binge listen. Okay, so it's like watching Downton Abbey. I won't compare myself to that, please. <laughs> but uh, 
some point, go back and listen to all these like closer together and see the thread because I think you'll find it encouraging and I hope God uses it. I will say also that if you are not a part of our fellowship and want to uh, try that out, someone said, well, I listened to your podcast, but I wanted to come and hear for myself if you were for real. And afterwards I asked him, how did I do? (laughs) She said, you were real. So anyway, thank you for the privilege of sharing this stuff with you. I know as a congregation, uh, we appreciate each other and all of that. But I do pray that as we continue to trust God, he uses these talks as a way to take us to the next place with him, wherever that may be. And the study of the grand scheme of God's story is always one worth studying. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this cast party that is beautiful, perfect in every way, and wonderful and eternal. Father, for those of us that might be considering Christ, these words from the book of Revelation, Spirit and the bride say, come, and let those who hear say, come. Let those who are thirsty come, and let all who wish to take the free gift of the water of life come. Father, today we are celebrating the water of life. The water is the water of your word, which has found root first in Christ and then in us. And we thank you, Lord, that you have saved us, that you have redeemed our life from the pit. You have given us work to do in our life and a future to depend on and to look forward to. I pray today, Father, as we experience a growing hope for tomorrow that it might affect us as help for today. Would you bless the teaching of your word? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Join us for the next lesson in this Center Stage teaching series and tell a friend about our His Story podcast. For more information about Center Stage Church in Gold Canyon, Arizona, visit centerstagechurch.org. Thank you.